Hi, I'm Irene Yanku, and this is my podcast. I have spent my entire career in dentistry learning. Learning about new technology, techniques to better my clinical skills, and now I'm a practice owner and leader. In life as a learner, I've noticed my truest love for learning has not been about teeth or what material is best to use for a core buildup. It's been learning about people in our dental community. The educators, scientists, clinicians, business owners, and advocates, their stories, their lives, their why, and their what's next. Getting to know them as humans, identifying how they work, what their rituals are, while highlighting them as the true trailblazers in dentistry. And that's what I do here on the show. So hold on to your suction. It's about to get slippery here on the Tooth or Dare podcast. to another episode of the Tooth Order podcast with your peep, Irene. Hello. Welcome back to my first solo episode. I'm super excited to share with you the new format of the podcast. And if you're watching this on YouTube, this is probably new for you too. So hello to those on YouTube. And for those driving, hello to you too. Um, some of you that have been listening to the podcast for a while know how difficult it has been for me to be a business owner and an employer and a boss and um, I've learned some lessons the hard way unfortunately perhaps you've heard some of the sprinklings of that in the podcast and if not then you'll get to hear it today Um, in January I was very much honored to speak to a group of fellow podcasters and podcast listeners at the Voices of Dentistry conference in Arizona, which was a lot of fun. And it's a very different conference than the ones that we kind of normally attend. Mm, How do I put put this nicely? There's a lot less filtering of the speakers and their content. So I got to put together a pretty interesting lecture that is what I'm going to share with you today. So the entire episode is going to be the recording of my 45 minute kind of TED talk style presentation. And if you are watching this on YouTube, you get to see my slides as well, which I thought were really great. Um, But you'll have to let me know in a DM um, what you thought. So yeah, that's kind of the, the vibe for today. Today we're going to share this episode and perhaps you'll understand a little bit about me and what I've had to go through the last couple of years as an employer. It's been interesting. Anywho, that's it. That's all for today. No sponsor message, no nothing, just me and you and this episode. And that's it. I'll see you next time. Peace out, peeps. Bye. Well, hi, everybody. Familiar faces, new friends. Welcome to Voices of Dentistry. This is my third year back. Second year on this stage, and I learned a very important lesson last year. One, don't take Moody's drinks. And number two, don't wear heels up here because these things are a death trap. So I, a lot like my friend Mark, have learned from my mistakes. And I've been a practice owner for a very short period of time, two and a half years. Any new practice owners in the house? Hey, you and me, Moody's drinks. So I asked this question, and I hope that we can all answer it together. 
Can shitty employees make good leaders? So think about it for a minute. And on the count of three, we're all gonna say our answer. Ready? You thought about it? One, two, three. Yes. Oh, wow. I'm impressed. Maybe if you listened to Mark after me, you would have changed your mind. So I had a dream many moons ago. As a hygienist of now 16 years, I had a dream that I was one day going to open my own practice. And in, you know, the question often asked is, so in Canada, hygienists can do that? The answer is yes. And there are many states, just like provinces in the United States, where hygienists can also run independent practices. So in November of 2018, I drew this rough, beautiful schematic. Um, my dad's an architect, can't you tell? Of what my practice was gonna look like. And originally it was a one operatory practice, me, myself, and Irene. And I thought, I don't need anybody else, I'm gonna make my own rules, I'm gonna run my own systems, I'm gonna do shit the way I want shit to be done. And no one's gonna mess with that until I married my accountant. And my lovely accountant husband said to me, so you want a state-of-the-art facility in downtown Toronto in a beautiful area with a very nice building and you want it to be a startup and you want Intego chairs and all of these fancy pieces of equipment and you want it to just be you. And I said, yes. And then we did the math and we ran a spreadsheet and in the end it went to two ops. And then I added more pieces of equipment and more services and that went to three and then now to four. So sometime between November 2018 and July 15th of 2019, I had a pipe. And that was the most beautiful pipe I had ever seen in my entire life. Because the difference between being a hygienist opening a dental practice and a dentist owning and opening a startup dental practice is that unfortunately we have to convince the exact same banker and the exact same underwriter that our business models would be the same and it would generate us a good yield. But the unfortunate for me is that I'm not the main producer. So immediately off the start, I am starting with an associate model in a startup practice in one of the most saturated areas of the city. And then the pandemic happened. And unfortunately, all of my equipment was delayed. These random microchips weren't being able to be sourced by my chairs that were being manufactured in Germany because those were being manufactured in China. And then they got stuck on a ship for rough sea waters, as I was told. And somehow, 20 months later, what my original business plan said it would yield me an eight month later open, I decided to open my practice in the heart of the pandemic, and that is what I looked like on my very first day of work. My parents were my first patients, and between mom and dad, when I figured out if my sensors were working and what what the heck was this button and why was the chair beeping so much? I went into the back, I sat on the stairs and I cried. The exact same stairs that I hand painted while we were in lockdown because these were the stairs of the private entrance that I wanted my team to have. I wanted them to be so proud that every single day they would come to work and have the same dream, the same vision and be part of the same team as I was. 20 months later, those were the exact same stairs that I sat on and I cried. And it sucked because this is what 20 years looks, or 20 months looks like. I had full body hives. My face would randomly swell up at every single time that 
an employee would call in sick or hmm, the drawings didn't quite work out. I learned somehow to do a lighting plan of where my master switches needed to be because I quit my job of my beautiful boss in the top right corner who was such a loving human being. And I said, I need to leave now because I can't afford to pay a designer in the city of Toronto, that's $200,000 to hire someone to teach you how to do a lighting plan and where your ERV needs to go and what your outputs need to be and all of that fun stuff that I was like, well, my dad's an engineer, I could figure it out. So 20 months goes by and I sat on that floor quite a bit looking out that window of the vinyl that already started to peel because I went for a cheaper material. Cheaper is not always better. And I spent a lot of time on the couch with the pup and the poodle, I have a little dog, and um, his dog bed, a very fluffy little donut looking thing was you know, a place where I really liked to cuddle. And unfortunately for me, those lip filler looking things didn't last more than four hours. So I would hide, my, I would hide it all behind a, a mask and I would you know, pick myself up and put on some makeup and, and get my ass to work. And one day, this day, July 9th, 2020, he's not even watching. <laughs> I have a podcast, fun fact. I got to interview this guy. And it was an interesting interview because he told me about all of the things that I already knew, but that I wasn't doing. And of course, as a human being at that point, I was 37 years old, 36 years old. Um, my biggest fear was, was looming in my future that I unfortunately wouldn't be able to create that legacy that I could provide for my poodle, Lou, who comfortably sits on this chair and greets people. This is what I needed. This is what I was hoping for, but I was, where's the Maslow's hierarchy of needs where I just needed food and water? My ride or die. So I called my mom. I figured, who is the best person for me to chat with about business? Because I modeled my entire life over my mother, who ran four successful spas in the city of Toronto. She had multiple employees, and she had this really cool business model that she created doing spas in condo buildings. So she worked with a developer that would build these beautiful spas for her and cookie cutter, copy and paste. That's what she did. So I called hey, mom. mom. But I'm afraid. It's a lot of pressure. Okay, if you're afraid, then go and shoot shine shoes in downtown Toronto. Ma, I, don't, I don't think that's the solution. No, the solution is you are a businesswoman, you have a businessman around you, uh, you have a, that's a potential, potential. You are a strong woman, you know what you are doing. And you have to go and do it. And that's it. Pours wine. Even in that time you are a that? young girl, I wasn't alone. Yeah, that's true. And uh, you didn't need a license to stay to front desk. That's true. And to do my my accounting and to do my <laughs> business and to pay my... <laughs> Your high school daughter doing the accounting. <laughs> that was a bad idea. <laughs> And, uh, you know, everything happens in life to learn something. That's true. That's true. You if you didn't do that, probably you wouldn't learn something. So, don't be afraid. You are not alone. Absolutely not. No, I'm not alone. I feel like I'm alone, though. 
No. But it's. You have. I know I'm not, but it's just, it feels like I'm making all these decisions all the time. I know, because you're going to build up your crew there until that. It takes a little bit longer, but that's okay. You will find the people that will come exactly in the right time. Yeah. And then I did a lot of this. So, you know, you reach out to the people that you look up to and you think, okay, well, if they could do it, if my immigrant mother that grew up in a third world country, I mean, I was born and raised in Romania, moved here as refugees, if my immigrant mother could run a successful business and now, you know, live a retired life with Lou's brother, we, we bought brothers, she has a poodle too, then I can do it too. So that led me to, you know, I have this practice now, I need to build my crew like mom said. So I did the next best thing. I'm like, okay, well, my mom's philosophy is a little bit, you know, archaic and maybe, you know, you are a businesswoman is not the, how I'm going to do this. So I went to Google and I thought, okay, well, what do I need to do? I need to learn how to lead. I need to be a leader. So I Googled leadership and within 36 seconds, I got 5,250,000,000 results faster than you can, I don't know, brush your hair. Do you know, fun fact, the average person brushes their teeth for 37 seconds? That's how long it takes me to get this. The average American spends 2.5 days looking for lost items. Your keys, your wallet, your phone, your stuff. And the more stuff you have, the more time you spend looking for it. So could you imagine looking through 5,250,000,000 things to find your keys. And it's, you know, this like philosophy that to be a good leader, you must look through all of these crazy algorithms. You must read all of the books. You must understand all of the things in order to be a good boss. And it's this magical algorithm that only a philosopher or a scientist or a genius can understand. So then you dive deeper, you find one thing, you listen to one person, you read the books. You read the books like in the first 90 days, which you know I hear some of those things in what Mark just talked about. What should the first 90 days of someone's career look like for a new employee? Thanks, Michael Watkins. Now, you know, he saved me a little bit of severance money. Or the seven, seven habits of highly successful people. What am I going to look for in people before I bring them on? Or, you know, Mark's recommendation to read Extreme Ownership. Can I get an oorah? <laughs> Own all of the things that happen, the good and the bad. If someone makes a mistake in your practice, that mistake is because you didn't have a system in place. You have to own it extremely. So. You know, don't blame yourself, blame somebody else, do the thing, don't do the thing. There's a lot that's on the internet and that's in these books that we're kind of losing sight of who we are as human beings. Be 1% better every day or 365 days from now, you're going to be 365% worse. So all of these things are looming in my mind when I just can't buy a goddamn N95 for under $25 a piece. We're spraying them and putting them in boxes to make sure that next week we, can't, we have enough. So then I look at world leaders and I think of all of the people that have had the least amount of scandals. And how do I emulate this? 
How do I take the most interesting people and look at their values and how they became who they are today? This deep dive of executives. There it goes, it's going. It just needs some audio. So this is the deepest black hole that led me to. My obsession as a child was Star Trek because my dad's obsession was Star Trek. So we would sit there and we would watch Star Trek together. So it led me to reading the next book. Space, the final Do you know it? Frontier. These are the voyages, are the voyages of, the of the Starship Enterprise. Come on, nobody knows it? There's it's one nerd in here. To explore strange, strange new, new gal. Okay. To seek, to seek out, out new life and, and new, new civilizations. civilizations. And the last one, we can do it. To boldly, to boldly go, go where, where no one has gone before. before. Yeah. That was me going into post-pandemic practice ownership. Thank you, Wes Roberts. You taught me a lot about being a boss based on who I admired the most, Captain Picard. Or was it, was it Captain Picard? Or was it Moody Picard? <laughs> No, it wasn't Moody Picard. It must have been Alan Picard. He was prepared. Or was it Mark P P Picard? Or was it Mark Roberts? Who wrote the book? I don't remember now. There's just so much noise of being a good leader going through my mind that I look at all of these individuals and I wanted to be Mark. 5 AM Club was my new favorite book up before the enemy. By the way, I didn't see you at the gym this morning. No, I'm not at 4.30, baby. Not at 4.30. The day already started and was half gone by the time you rolled out of bed. But in all fairness, I did learn something from reading this book. And I usually have two books going at the same time, something for my heart and something for my brain. And I read 10 pages of each one every day. These were the five things that I kind of took from JP here. Be decisive, make a decision. It might be the wrong one, but don't tiptoe on one side of the fence and then on the other. There are many styles of effective leadership. You don't have to fit the mold. You don't have to wear the red suit. You don't need a cape. STEM, science, technology, mathematics will win. Learn those things. Diversity and strength is important. You must believe in your crew and set course and engage. Don't fall behind, move forward. If you're looking back, you're looking the wrong way. And you'll make mistakes, and I learned that, and I made some monumental ones, but I learned really early to learn really fast from the things that I've done. And I'm gonna you know, let you in on a secret. Leadership has happened for many, many years, centuries, millennia even. It's not new information and it's not new news. But unfortunately, we get clouded with the shape shifting and the way that the light reflects. And sometimes you learn one thing and you think that that's the way that it should be. And then you get convinced and you go down the rabbit hole of reading books like, you know, seven things that you should do and 10 people you should know. And unfortunately, I was that shitty employee. I was that person. I was the hotshot new hygienist that was hired because I had all of the credentials. Could you place attachments? Yes. Can you do orthodontics? Yes. Do you know how to bend wires? Yeah. Can you remove and place a hoss? Who does that? But yeah. 
Can you do laser therapy? Yes. Are you licensed to do this? Yes. Are you a restorative dental hygienist? Yes. Can you place fillings, make provisionals? Yes, yes, yes. You're hired. We're going to pay you more than anybody else, but now it's your responsibility to shape this office. So I was the one that was always, you know, different. I was the one that was maybe difficult to work with, that I was very particular. If it wasn't Scotch Bond, I wouldn't use it. But it's because of the case acceptance and the conversations that I had that made me confident. But to my team and the people that I worked for, I was the oddball out. So perhaps someone would have called me the shitty employee. Maybe. You have an Irene in your practice. And the interesting thing is I want to hire Irene 1.0 now. Because I know that the leadership that I had back then was not the leadership that would have helped me thrive and be an employee that would stick around for life. The problem we have many times is that we don't know what we want from ourselves, therefore we don't know what we want from our employees. So it's interesting when I have this conversation with people about what retains a good employee. And sometimes the retention of a good employee is having a good leader. And sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's expectations. Or sometimes it's nothing. I've had you know, friends that have practices with successful you know, metrics, so they say, uh, and employees that have been around for 15, 20 years. And there are no expectations. We just coast through. We don't rock the boat. We make them happy. OK, all right. 65% of employees say that they would take a new boss over a pay raise. True or false? True. I am the, that case in, in point. The reason I left my last practice was because I wanted self-fulfillment. I wanted to do more than be stuck without autonomy for my patients, without the ability to see a case through from beginning to end because they would get moved to a different clinician, expectations that I set out but were not reciprocated from my leadership. My boss was very like, it was a holistic practice, so she was very downward dog about everything. <laughs> Sometimes she was upward dog. I don't know how many dogs she was, but she was all of them, even the bad one. The B one. Bad managers lead to low employee retention. True or false? Bad hiring leads to poor employee retention. Bad employees lead to poor production. Bad employees lead to poor culture. And that means something different for everybody else. So we're shifting our gears here and we're thinking about all of the things that we're learning about today, philosophies that have been put in place today. But the interesting thing is that we haven't really thought about the past. If you had a little time machine and you hit the flux capacitor and you could go back into the sixth century of where leadership began, what would we learn from those leaders? So in the next four minutes, I'm gonna take you back in time and perhaps you can envision what some of these past leaders have done that have implemented the things that we do today. Learning from the great gurus that have led us to become the humans that we are in a very short period of time. Like Lao Tzu, a leader is best when people barely know he exists. When his work is done, his aim fulfilled, 
they will say, we did it ourselves. Not far away from there, Sun Tzu was writing The Art of War, which today is still one of the highest recommended books for most executives, and the highest sold book that's been published 2,500 years later. He said, when general who advances without coveting fame and retreats without fearless disgrace, whose only thought is to protect his country and do good service for a sovereign will be the jewel of his kingdom. And not far off, Cicero in Rome also had a similar philosophy that it wasn't about the leader, it was about the people. He knew that without the people on his side, he would not be able to get anything done. Cicero understood that he could only deliver results with complete 100% buy-in. Jesus. In Matthew 20, 25 to 28, Jesus tells his disciples that leaders should only exercise authority with one another and not over one another. Instead, whoever wants to become a great leader himself should be a servant and not a dictator. The great theorist, the great man theory, Moeller of the story, he had a different philosophy. He thought it was all about the leader. The leader must do whatever he can to be of a higher power than the rest of the people, whether that be deceit, whether that be manipulation, and if necessary, with brute force. The prince, unfortunately, changed a lot of the way that we view democracy, throwing Aristotle's thought process and concepts about democracy up and into the air. And unfortunately, with republicanism as it's led, has changed a lot of the way that we see the world. So leaders are born, not made. According to Scottish Thomas Carlyle, he thought that leaders were born the way that they are. They can't be created, they can't be taught. You're either born a leader or you're a loser. You're either going to be a manager or you're gonna be a worker and there's nothing in between. And lastly, in the 20th century, Frederick Taylor came up with the concept about structuralized organization, that forget about optimizing someone's skills, let's just put a system in front of them and make them follow the steps of every little thing like how to tie your shoes, do you make the bunny ears, or do you go the other way around? Forget about giving people the skills to be able to be creative and come up with solutions to their own problems. Let's just put something in front of them that they can duplicate. And as you can imagine, before he died in 1915, he was the tyrant of most workers. Those were the clock in, clock out people that hated their lives. So now what have we done? Now we've created the model after a CEO of popularity the celebrity CEO that were running to the bookstores to buy their autobiographies on the way to wherever we're going, and we're emulating these people. We're trying to be them. Hey, for the better part of 2021, I wore all black. Does anybody know why? Yeah. It's like, I'm gonna put everything in a bag. I don't have time to pick my shoes that match my blazer. What socks am I gonna wear? I bought all of the same underwear. 
every single pair. There were two kinds. Ladies know which ones. So that was what I did. It wasn't until I read a book by John Maxwell that talked about the different levels of leadership and how those connections connect us with our employees. A leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. We've heard the phrase lead by example, right? And oftentimes that gets, you know, overshadowed by some of the other stuff. And I wanted to know exactly what this was and how can I inf involve my employees into becoming better leaders? So we said that there are five kind of pillars of leadership and five reasons why people work for you. The first, the first reason is because they have to. They need the job, they need the paycheck. These are the people that are fully dressed with their coat and their boots at five o'clock with their key card or whatever they're using to clock out and they're ready to tap off and run out. They give you their minimum, but never their best. Number two is people that like you. Maybe they follow you on Instagram. And they're like, oh yeah, she's nice. She's okay. She's fine. How's your boss? She's nice. Level three is someone that you help achieve things. Maybe you send them to CE courses or they're connected with your business because they are part of the projects that you do, the service that you provide. The fourth level of leadership is helping people grow. People work for you because they know that with you they will achieve great things. Perhaps why so many people work with Mark and our black belts and say yes to being a leader. And lastly, the deepest level of leadership is who you are and what you stand for and what you represent. People wanna be a part of not only your work life, but your personal life. Those are the employees that will send you a funny text on a weekend and they genuinely like and respect you. And the deeper you go, the deeper that connection with these employees, the more connectivity you have in your practice. And perhaps you can now identify a couple of people that are the reds and some that are the greens. I can think of it immediately. I know exactly, and I know where they're going. I can see where they're gonna go. And sometimes you might let them go if you don't see them traveling from one deep level to the other. And it's all about a choice to, to become deeper connected and not your choice, their choice. They must choose you just as much as you choose them. Every single person in your practice will be at a different level of connection with you based on what you're able to provide back for them. Now, don't be impressed by these photos. 85% of these people don't work for me anymore. Two moved out of country. Two went back to school to become dental hygienists because apparently I'm inspiring. One left to open up his own practice because I made it look too easy. Two got fired and two quit. And the two that quit were probably gonna get fired anyways. And the two that I fired, I just needed to let them go because I didn't know how to fix it. I was in so deep at being a bad leader that I didn't have systems, I didn't have expectations, I didn't have the conversations with them that I just, I, I, needed, I needed it to end. My own fault. 
So the smiling faces, and we probably all have some of these photos on Instagram or Facebook, or hey, maybe even on your website of past employees that are still up there that you've forgotten to tell your IT peeps about. So it all comes down to why. You all met my mom, yeah, Jetta, like the Volkswagen, that's what she says when she introduces herself to people. With a G though, not a J. Okay, lady. Gita? So what happened between then, this girl with a matching headband and, and dress, to now, what I thought leadership was. Fun fact about this piece of art, I teach at a dental hygiene school, and a student drew this for me. She was a graphic designer before she decided to become a dental hygienist. And on her last day of school, she handed me this and she said, Miss Irene, I need to thank you. There's two types of students, the ones that get it and the ones that don't, right? Your hands connect to your brain or they don't. So she was the not connected one. And then there's two types of teachers, the ones that lean in and say, okay, let's help connect the dots here, or the ones that say, she's fucked, she's never gonna make it. <laughs> so she was the one that didn't connect and I was the one that leaned in and in the end, she drew this for me. And it sat on the corner of my desk for five years just staring at me. This person, this vision, anatomically, <laughs> maybe five years ago I looked like that. Anatomically incorrect or not, the vision of what she saw in me was not in what I saw in myself. And it sat on the corner of my desk until one day I decided to do something with it. And I blew it up and I made it the temporary signage on my new business. But it taught me something, that that was what I thought leadership was. You needed to be the big person with the big shoulders. You needed the following, and the more followers you have, the better of a leader you are. But that's not true. The better of the leader you are, you have more leaders with you, not followers. You're building a team of people who can make their own decisions, and somehow those decisions align with your philosophies but you have to ask yourself a couple of questions. First of all is what do you want? Itemize your list, write down your list. And Warren Buffett has a fancy concept of you know, writing down the 20 things that you want and narrowing it down to the things that you're actually gonna work for versus the wants. And then aligning with what your team wants. What do they want? Do they wanna go back to school? Do they wanna advance in their careers? Do they want a 401k or do they want to buy a new car? Do they want a poppy? Like, I don't know. But if we don't have those conversations, we'll never know what we want. And if we don't discuss these frequently, we're going to be in this like silent cohabitation and eventually either they'll retire, you'll retire, you'll hate your life, you'll take up drinking, you'll cuddle a poodle on the floor. If you don't know what you want, you're likely not gonna get it. So do you know what you want? Well, I know what I don't want, Irene. I don't want a diva. Yeah, I don't either. I was one, I hated her. Let's play a game. Five fingers, put your, put your hand up, we're doing it. Put a finger, it's called the put a finger up slash down game that all the cool kids on TikTok are doing. I see you, put your hand up, mm-hmm. Okay, put a finger down if you've ever cried at work. Okay, put a finger down if you've ever thought about walking out in the middle of the day and not going back. Put a finger down if you have ever called in sick to work but weren't actually sick. 
put a finger down um, if you've been belittled in front of a patient. Yeah, it happens to doctors too. Put a finger down if you've ever felt manipulated into doing something. Oh, Craig's given me the finger. Thanks, sir. Appreciate you. Okay, well, we know the five things that we don't want. We don't want that to happen to us. We don't want those people in our practice to do that to us. We don't want them to feel that way. I definitely don't want an assistant to not come to work on a surgical day because she felt manipulated the day before. So how do we get what we want? How does everybody get what they want? I don't know. I feel like most days this is what I'm like. What do you want? What do you want? It's not that simple. What do you want? I have to go. She has to go. And they quit. They don't know what they want. We don't know what we want. We just know that it's not that, and then we quit. It's like why most divorces happen too. It's just this disconnection that happens over time. So yeah, we have some work to do. And there are four things, if any four things you take from today, there are four things that we must do, and I encourage you to audit it at home first. And first, it starts with self-reflection. Clear expectations, defined communication, and reviews. Every employee needs a review, and so do you. So does the business owner. Hey, how am I doing as a leader? That's a hard question to ask. Oh, you're great, Doc. Are you? Or is that just the answer that you want someone to hear? So, fun fact, when I was nine, I was the tooth fairy for Halloween. And I didn't remember this until my mom handed me this Polaroid. I have this weird blurry vision of what my childhood was like, probably because I didn't speak English for many years. I was kind of shy and nerdy. I played tennis because as an only child, like, you know, that's you against yourself is the only way to go. And I, I thought about it, like, huh, dentistry has probably been ingrained in me longer than I ever thought would exist. So, you know, I started digging through old photo albums and I thought about my childhood and I was raised by my grandparents when my parents were refugees. They left just before my first, this is my first birthday, second birthday. And I didn't see them again until I was like seven. So my grandparents were my parents. And this is what my childhood kind of looked like. We had won the lottery this morning. This was happy faces. We were excited. Can you feel it? Wasn't it palpable? Yeah. I remember lining up with my grandfather every morning for bread, milk. Because you can, you can just go to a grocery There's no Target. I went to what's it, Trader Joe's across the street for the first time in my life. I was like, what are mango papaya items? I would like them all, please. So I did a further self-reflection about this photo. Do you see it? Can you see it? Can you see it now? All of my boats were in the same direction. My airplanes were ready to take off. My pink pencil case neatly right next to my very proudly displayed bowl of very sharp pencils. Everything was orderly. Everything was prepared and ready. So that self-reflection to me was, holy shit, I am the problem. I am the reason why in the first year and a half of business ownership, I lost every single one of my team members, either because I fired them or because they quit. 
because this had to be here. Oh no, but tomorrow I wanted to go somewhere else. Oh, but I think I like it over here better. No, let's go back to the other way. Can you do the spreadsheet in this color? Can you put this in Google Drive? Can you do it this way? Can you send an email like this? Let me use Jasper for you to create an AI email template that you just copy and paste in the drafts folder that I created. It's like me trying to be the person for everyone all at the same time. I was the person with the cape swooping in to fix the problems that everyone had and eventually I was the person that they all came to when something broke with what I now call one person questions. Do you know where the posts are? I don't know what posts are. Who used the damn posts last? Do we still use posts? Are people using posts? We have those? Oh, okay. Let me find them. Let me, let me stay late tonight and look through every single drawer to find the thing that somebody else lost. So I reflected upon myself and I realized you, me, I, was the result of my entire life. Everything that I had experienced, my parents, my growing up, what I envisioned leadership to be, every single one of my tennis coaches, that no one said, you know, you know you'll, you'll do it better next time. You only hit three aces today. You weren't fast on the baseline today. Tomorrow I need you to work harder. All of these things that made me the sum of all of my experiences, and I was the leader, therefore it was me, I, myself, Irene. So I encourage us all to discuss things with clear expectations for both sides, both parties. What, what does that communication look like? And how are we motivating people to be leaders themselves? Because leaders are people that don't motivate per se. They create the conditions for people to strive to want to be leaders themselves by clearly communicating, setting expectations and boundaries and recognizing performance, either good or bad. And a great leader knows that there is something to learn from every experience. Even as my mom said, somehow she wasn't wrong. But the way that we have to do it is through communication. What does that communication look like in your practice? Is it a, hey, good job? The worst thing is those like empty thank yous or the bullshit sandwiches, the good, bad, the good. Don't do that. I really liked the way that you did this, but also, can you do it this way? And then, this was great too. People see right through that. Have a clear guideline to how you communicate. Think about it this way. If your assistant does something terrible, how easy is it to go off and say, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this? How long do you spend thinking about positive feedback? Does it keep you up all night? Like having a talk with someone, I'm gonna have a talk with her tomorrow. That keeps me up all night, the having a talk. But you know what else keeps me up at night? Writing down good things positive feedback. And there's a difference between feedback and showing gratitude, like a thank you versus an I like. So think about that. How are we providing good feedback, positive, constructive feedback, independent and separate from negative feedback or constructive feedback? And how can we separate those completely out of the same conversation, out of the same day, to give people time to breathe and absorb? There's one thing that we've incorporated in our practice that every single human does, and it's PCS, Problem, Consequence, Solution. 
If anyone is gonna come to me or my office manager, my treatment coordinator with a P, they need to attach a C and an S to it, even if they're not great. Even if it's just a rough draft of an idea. For example, hey Irene, um, two of our team members wanna be off between Christmas and New Year's. Who do I approve? One has to go to a family wedding and the other one has to go to something else. Equally both valuable and important things for request time off. It's also in Canada the busiest time of year. I'm probably here too, insurances, people wanna get all their work done, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then it just gets dropped on my feet and now I need to be the person to come up with the solution and figure out what the consequence is. I don't wanna piss this person off because you know, I said no to her last week and then, nah, 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 nah. so now, if they don't come with the C and the S, then I say, that's a good question. Why don't you think about that for today and come to me tomorrow and let's discuss the consequences and the solutions together. So you say that enough and you delegate that out enough that it becomes a habit. So now, for example, prime positive example of it last week, we ran out of chair covers. How we ran out of chair covers, I don't know. There's these like rubber plasticky things that you put on the chairs and there's a specific size that we like. So I guess they were on back order. So my assistant came to me and she said, hey Irene, we ran out of chair covers this morning. We only have enough for the rest of the week. And I just sat there and I was like, I was waiting for the C and the S. So I just stare, I'm like, hmm, okay. She's like, but I have found these ones off of the Henry Schein website. They're three cents more per piece because we calculate our patient turnover rates for our overhead. Um, they're three cents more per piece, but I can get them in on Friday. But if I add an extra $25 to the cart, then we get free shipping. Done. Problem, consequence, solution. That is a really great idea. Thank you so much. Can I buy you a coffee for that? Because I feel like you just took a really important thing off my plate. Was it an important thing? Chair covers? No but my team member knows how valued she is. Instead of me saying, oh, I don't like those ones. They're too long or they're too short. Small wins 1% every day. That leads into delegation. The important thing about being a good leader and hey, I'm still working on it, is making sure that the right people are in the right place for the right decisions to be made. And no, leaders are not born, they can be made. And there do come times in people's lives where they want more responsibility. My assistant recently came to me and said, I wanna do the ordering for the office. I really enjoy it and I feel like I'm shopping and I get to look at different prices of things and figure out what the best values are and I wanna do that. And I said, okay, what do you need from me? The other person that we took it off her plate, she was very helpful and happy about it because she hated doing it. She said, no, I don't need anything from you right now, but if I do, I'll let you know. Perfect, delegate. So whomever you may be delegating to or whomever you may be working with, maybe you're number one, maybe you're number two, maybe you're Beverly Crusher, or maybe you're, I don't know, me, standing next to Picard. You're not alone. Mom is right that there are other people that are in the similar situations as you. And just like the things that we lose, like our keys and our phones, 
seems to me that every time I lose my phone, it's either on silent or on vibrate. And the last time I lost my phone was on an airplane, which sucked because you have to wait till the very end. And you know, as a, as a person that really likes efficiency and order, I want to get in that plane, get off that plane efficiently. I want people to notice how fast I go through security. Like I want them to notice that I got my laptop out before she says laptop out. I had to wait until everyone got off the plane. I had to ask one of the stewards to kindly phone my phone. And I had to listen. I had to listen for it vibrate in a 35 row plane. And I went to every row and I listened and I listened and I listened and I learned a valuable lesson that leadership is not new. These are all things that have been happening for millennia. There are people in the past that have developed strategies that we're now implementing bits and pieces of today. But collectively, if we listen a little bit closer to the gurus that are speaking here today, tomorrow, that perhaps we'll take something back that will make us a better leader. So thank you for having me. Oh, hey, so you made it all the way to the end. Thank you for sticking around. And I hope you enjoyed this episode, found it informative, entertaining, and of course, as per usual, find me hilarious. If you liked what you heard, it would really mean a lot to me if you could show your support by liking, commenting, or sharing this episode with a friend or family member. Your feedback and engagement helped me get on the mic today, and it would also improve our future shows and reach more people who maybe could benefit from our content as well. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to my podcast on your favorite platform or on YouTube. Follow along on this crazy journey with me at toothlife.irene and at toothordare.podcast on Instagram and Twitter. That way you'll be the first to know when episodes are released and you won't miss a beat. I appreciate your support and look forward to bringing you more great episodes in the future. From my team to yours, thanks again for listening and I'll catch you on the flip side.